It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. We, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Welcome, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another special edition of Miked Up on Ohm Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and I'm here with my daily COVID-19 update for our Low Country listeners. COVID-19 is is just really wreaking havoc on all of us in this country, all of us around the world. And um, hopefully the information that I dispensed daily is helpful, is useful. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and jump right into it. So when I woke up this morning, um, I typically always go for the headlines, but um, I'm changing up my routine and I'm just heading straight to DHEC. Um, And so at the DHEC website, you know, that's our statewide Department of Health, y'all. Uh, DHEC has a running tally of positive cases uh, in our state. And uh, I woke up and I see the number is currently at 298 total positive cases. And we have uh, five confirmed COVID-19 uh, deaths or five deaths, excuse me, uh, attributed to COVID-19 infection um, you know, those numbers were made more real by seeing um, the reporting from the Post and Courier today also um, that that further articulates this issue and this crisis that we're all up against. So yesterday we experienced two more deaths. Right. And oh, just for con- for I guess for uh, in I guess context, <laughs> um, I'm recording this show at 7 a.m. March 24th in the morning, 7 a.m. So as of 7 a.m., we have uh, two more deaths were reported overnight, according to the Post and Courier. And also our cases, like we saw a major spike in cases in South Carolina. Uh, We are currently at uh, 103 new cases. So that brings the total to 298. And also um, the county. So the counties have been, you know, as, as testing becomes more accessible, we're starting to see more more uh, cases uh, listed in in more counties. So currently, we have 298 cases confirmed in 34 counties. And going back to the DHEC website, we also see how we're, what counties are being impacted the most. For in for the since the beginning, Kershaw County has definitely um, really seen the largest numbers, and they continue to be the leader in the state in terms of infection numbers. But guess who's number two, y'all? Guess who's number two right as of today? Oh, no, who's number three? Yeah, Charleston is number three on that. So we have Kershaw County leading with, um, and I'm not trying to make this uh, funny or, or like competitive, but but Kershaw County currently has 54 positive cases. Uh, then it's followed by Richland County, 43 uh, positive cases, and uh, Charleston County with 31 and it kind of makes sense when you think about density and population for Richland and Charleston County to be at the top of the, of the list. And I think that number is going to continue to grow. Um, as folks know, Charleston surpassed uh, Columbia a few years ago as being the um, the biggest, the largest city uh, in South Carolina. So with that density and with, you know, we all know how many folks have moved here. Uh, we can expect those numbers to just go up. Um, so this this recent reporting and these new numbers definitely brought about some new changes at the local level. Um, by local, I mean state. Uh, so yesterday we saw our governor, Governor Henry McMaster, McMaster hold another press conference. Uh, and um, he 
it took it he took his I guess his mandate a step further and so um in 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 I guess in light of the two new deaths and the 103 new cases McMaster has um discouraged groups of three or more people to congregate and he's also empowered our local law enforcement to to disperse these groups uh, so um we're going to see more more of a concerted effort um, at the state level and also at the local level. I know law enforcement has um, changed the way they're engaging folks, but it seems as if now we're going to see just revamped efforts in terms of really controlling crowds and, and people who are congregating to, because uh, this is the biggest problem with no shelter in place laws and um, no shelter in place laws on the books we got people kind of making up their own rules so uh just take a listen right here to uh yesterday's press conference with uh governor mcmaster so i'm issuing another executive order under this state of emergency and it is this to reinforce this point and to allow us to take official action there is a state statute and it reads and allows this and I want to make everyone aware now I'm hereby authorizing ordering and directing directing any and all law enforcement officers of the state or any political subdivision thereof in accordance with the South Carolina Code of Laws and other applicable law to prohibit or disperse any congregation or gathering of people unless authorized in their homes in groups of three or more if the law enforcement officials determine in their discretion that such gathering or congregation in people poses or could pose a threat to public health now this is statutory authority our law enforcement officers have it is similar, you could say, to a public nuisance statute, which is a, is a civil statute, but this is a criminal statute, and it's a misdemeanor. And this would apply to a lot of things. It would apply to parties on the beach, to boisterous gatherings or concerts, to spontaneous gatherings or unruly gatherings in shopping centers, parking lots. Those are the kinds of things, and we have all seen them. What it does not apply to, what it is not intended to apply to, is, is law-abiding businesses or employers. It's difficult to draw the line, but we know it when we see it. And law, law officers have this authority by state law, and under this state of emergency, I'm asking them to implement it vigorously according to their discretion. Okay, so you heard that the governor said he's going to make sure that these laws are enforced with vigor. So um, I think folks are are really um, going to see some some changes. I, I think so. Um, I also think that, um, you know, I was waiting for the governor and also local govern governments near me in the low country. I was waiting for folks to just really just go ahead and issue the shelter in place laws that we've seen in uh, what over 13 other states. I think last night I was watching uh, the news and I believe it was 13 other states um, are just going ahead, just taking that extra step and can't, you know, we just can't leave it up to individuals to make their own uh, choices regarding what's best for um, for combating this, this disease. Um, and uh, I know that's scary for folks in terms of government overreach, but 
um, we're seeing that we have to flatten the curve. And so I was waiting to hear personally, um, the governor, local mayors here uh, during Sunday's press conference, waiting to hear folks go ahead and issue that shelter in place uh, mandate. However, we did not see see that. Um, I will say what was encouraging was, according to the local coverage that I watched both on SCETV and read uh, in the state newspaper and the Post and Courier, the governor has not taking taken uh, shelter in place laws off the table so he is considering it I know that there are huge economic ramifications that he's probably considering um, that like like a lot of other states um, here you know especially how our state is comprised and how our economy how our economy is set up around tourism and um, certain industries that are pivotal to our success economically. So I know all those considerations are being made. However, I think it's time for some some more uh, swift action. So um, stay tuned for more on that. And hopefully, um, yeah, I, I'm I, me personally, this is just me. This is my opinion. <laughs> my opinion doesn't reflect that of OM Radio or anyone else. But um, I'd really like to see Shelter in Place enacted like ASAP because this number is just going to continue to skyrocket and um, we even heard that from our uh, you know from from Trump's cabinet yesterday on uh, the Today Show our Surgeon General say you know this is going to be a rough week and I actually find that 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 news that type of delivery that messaging um, when it's that direct I actually find that to be more comforting um, than anything else like you know I I don't really traffic and hope peddling and so um, I like it straight no chaser um (laughs) <laughs> so uh, hopefully uh, folks will continue to deliver the messaging that way so folks get a get an understanding as to how severe this uh, pandemic is and how we're just going to have to adjust. Uh, the next bit of news I want to pivot to is kind of continues along with, with Governor McMaster and waiting for him to enact certain laws. I'm happy that he did um, reduce crowd sizes and, and issue a new executive order. However, our local, you know, our local mayors um, aren't really to me modeling the best behavior again this is my opinion um and and, uh it thank thank you to those who send me information um via social media and my dms instant messenger shout out to the person who sent me a screenshot um, of a conversation being held in a in a private or maybe it's a public facebook group um in the uh, mount pleasant in the iop area and um, I'm just going to go ahead and play a clip because what it and, and I'm going to come back on the other side with a little bit more commentary. But um, we're just again, we're seeing folks not on the same page, um, local mayors and municipalities just not on the same page when it comes to how to um, enforce these guidelines so that folks are their constituents, their residents are at the least amount of risk. So I'm going to. This is a clip from uh, News 2 that I found to be very instructive. Team coverage on Sullivan's Island where restrictions have been put in place for beach access. That's where we find News 2's Riley Benson. And Riley, some low country mayors have differing opinions on how to protect residents from COVID-19. What are they saying? Well, Carolyn, mayors from Solomon's Island, Folly Beach, and the Isle of Palms adopted restrictions to limit access to beach islands and beaches because of public safety concerns. Isle of Palms Mayor Jimmy Carroll says that the restrictions are necessary to protect the Isle of Palms and its surrounding communities. It's really more of a uh, issue of public safety for everybody, not just our residents, but everybody. And I would hope that everybody works together and not against each other. 
Mayor Carroll says the three beach community mayors made the decision to adopt restrictions after thousands of beachgoers crowded beaches across the low country on Thursday and Friday. And there was no social distancing. In fact, I got an article that was sent to me, a picture of Isle Palms in the Paris newspaper of all the people crowded on the beach. Not all low country leaders believe the restrictions are best for the communities, including Mount Pleasant Mayor Will Haney, who expressed concerns over the decisions in a Facebook post. Haney's statement says in part, we are all in this together. It is not time to barricade ourselves in either direction. Roadblocks work both ways, but Mount Pleasant would never apply barricades for our neighbors from the essentials of life during a declared emergency. How about we all apply the golden rule? Isle Palms resident Ben Marks says he understands Mayor Haney's concerns. You know, we're, we're, we're empathetic. I mean, we realize that this is everyone's beach. Uh, we, we know that people, for a lot of people, this is just a part of their routine. Marks, who owns some short-term rental properties on the island, believes the restriction should go further by restricting renters and visitors from coming onto the island, but believes Isle of Palm residents also have a responsibility. You know, we ourselves, we got to limit our trips or try to not take any trips into Mount Pleasant, vice versa, just to keep everyone uh, safe and healthy. Mayor Carroll says he hopes the area's mayors and officials will continue to work together as they work to mitigate the spread of coronavirus. I think we all need to be united in what we're doing here. Brendan Carroll, as we hear, Mayor Carroll is saying that those restrictions were put in place to protect not only first responders, but also the public of Isle of Palms and its surrounding communities. Live on Sullivan's Island, Riley Benson, count on two. So uh, I think that bit of reporting from um, Channel News to our, our local NBC affiliate here in Charleston, I think that that bit of, of reporting was very helpful and because it shows that some of our local lawmakers are not on the same page. Um, I felt that at the uh, most recent press conference held on Sunday, led by Mayor Tecklenburg of Charleston, the city of Charleston, um, Mayor Haney was in attendance. Um, but yeah, there's been some inconsistent messaging. I'll, I'll say that. Um, again, thank you to those who send me information from their local um, neighborhood Facebook groups. I, I witnessed from what I saw written from um, the Mayor Haney and uh, Mayor Jim Carroll of Isle of Palms. What I saw was some inconsistent messaging to folks, to constituents. I know we're all trying to grapple with how these um, new executive orders, mandates, and perhaps even the forthcoming shelter-in-place rules, we're, we're all trying to navigate how to mitigate any type of economic harm or harm to our industries where we live. However, um, I'm glad this, the reporting shows an about face because what we were witnessing on Facebook and in all in other groups, we weren't seeing that consistent messaging from these local lawmakers. So it's great that they actually ended up at a destination that shows that they have the interests of their constituents in mind. Um, it sounds great that folks are thinking twice about where they go when they leave Mount Pleasant, if they want to go to the Isle of Palms, um, beachfront areas. Um, and I guess it doesn't hurt that international news outlets picked up on, you know, your town still, you know, having quite the Bacchanal at the beach. <laughs> so I guess that exposure definitely made Jim Carroll of Isle of Palms think twice about his his behavior, and his actions that I again, that I, I was forwarded some information regarding you know, him maybe nudging folks to work around the executive order. And uh, so I'm glad to hear now he's done an about face and is, is, is considering um, what that looks like. Right. Uh, so that was interesting. I think the other um, the last bit of information I want to update you all on 
is the economic piece. Yesterday, I tried to, I guess, give a little time to the whole economic fallout. Um, as of 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, I was transfixed when the Dow futures started started to trade again. Um, and we saw, you know, things just kind of plummet. It was encouraging yesterday morning. Yesterday was, yeah, Monday. Woo, <laughs> a day is like a week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was encouraged yesterday morning to wake up because the Fed had uh, enacted um, some new measures that was actually it showed it showed some positive um, effects on our on a stock market. And then things took a turn. Right. And so it made me uh, focus more on the economic impacts felt here locally. I also mentioned yesterday how Mayor uh, Steve Benjamin in Columbia he was rolling out a stimulus package for Columbia. Of course, he's the mayor of Columbia, a powerful mayor, um, but the mayor of Columbia. Um, so and and local leaders here on the business front, um, specifically uh, Jamie Haley from Low Country Local First. I want to give a shout out to them because they've been at the forefront of uh, making sure that local businesses um, really are protected and armed with a, an abundance of information via webinars and emails and, and all uh, just an assortment of information. So shout out to Low Country Local First because she was monitoring uh, Mayor Steve Benjamin's uh, stimulus package rollout as well. And I know that she's in constant talks uh, with local law, not lawmakers, local business owners, and um, also, yeah, local lawmakers. And so they're continuing to monitor what Charleston with the Low Country is planning to roll out for uh, local businesses because, you you know, we're comprised of so many small businesses. And um, I always tell this story. um, When I moved, when I relocated to Charleston, I did two things immediately. I registered to vote and then I joined Low Country Local First because I was trying to, to, I was exploring being an entrepreneur here and I was drawn to their mission statement. I was drawn to what they were attempting to do to advocate on behalf of small businesses and I wanted to become a local vore. <laughs> I wanted to consume and shop at and patronize um, as many local business, businesses as possible. And for me and my activism and my work, it's also important for me to um, uplift and support uh, minority-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, um, and women-owned businesses. And Low Country Local First actually made that easier with their membership list and other, uh, just a myriad of resources so shout out to them because they've been extraordinarily active and um, just just really trying to, to help business owners uh, prepare for this economic fallout. And so um, also the city paper, who I have not given enough love to, shout out to the city paper. They've been doing some interesting reporting and, and um, posting links to businesses that are remained open, like restaurants and other things like that keeping folks up to date on the new like brewery guidelines like some breweries can now sell um you know sell their their goods uh you can come and pick it up and you know not open carry y'all just go ahead and pick up your six pack (laughs) um but but shout out to the city paper for their coverage because um there's there are other wrinkles in this whole economic impact that that i'm tracking um most notably a recently written article dated on the 18th um, written by Heath Ellison and Lindsay Street regarding SNAP benefits and, and uh, again, this economic fallout and how it's going to impact low-income workers. So I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna try to reach out to those two reporters from the city paper and get an update um, because I know that our governor did ease restrictions on how you can file for unemployment. 
However, I want to make sure that, you know, those other social safety nets are are not as restrictive like SNAP benefits. And we also because because we are already seeing our governor add more restrictions to SNAP benefits and to Medicare um, enrollment prior to COVID-19. So I want to monitor and see if they've eased restrictions on some of those uh, social safety nets because um, not just small businesses, but low income workers who buoy those small businesses, they need protection too. But back to uh, the whole small business aspect. Um, Yesterday, like I said, the stock markets opened up and it didn't look too, it looked great at first and then things took a little dip. Um, and because folks were waiting for this stimulus package to be handed down and, and I'm also waiting for Charleston's mayor and Charleston local municipalities around to also, uh, give more uh, insight as to what their stimulus package is going to look like. And according to Jamie Haley, executive director from low country, local first, um, we should be seeing something and Lauren shout out to my friend, Lauren, who works there as well. We should be seeing some information, um, regarding what that looks like. Uh, here in Charleston. So yeah, the the front page of the of the New York Times today, Tuesday, March 24th, it talks about the Fed flexing its muscle and enacted some measures. You know, it has a, it has a lot a lot of ammo left. Uh quite, you know, a couple a couple of shots left and it did a lot yesterday to make sure to tar- to try to help the stock market in its performance. So um the the headline from the New York Times reads Fed flexes muscle as Senate battles over aid. Um and so we also witnessed that Senate just um you know the Democrats and the Republicans could not get on one page um regarding you know what that stimulus package should look like at the federal level. Um and then I look at I'm going to flip through to um, another headline from the 20th, so from a few days ago, from the Post and Courier, um, the federal government opens up its disaster loans to South Carolina businesses hit by coronavirus. So that's also um, good news. And again, Low Country Local First had a lot of information regarding SBA loans, Small Business Association loans, or the SBA.gov uh, loan. So it should be some um, loans that will be forgiven. Um, I don't know why they won't call it uh, or forgiven, excuse me. What's my ooh, my diction in the morning? <laughs> it should be some forgived. It should be some um some um information regard regarding loan forgive forgiveness from the SBA, um and how small businesses can access these funds to help them get through this tight this these tough times. Again, I am very um, concerned about making sure that minority owned businesses who, that face tremendous barriers uh to not just entry in term, terms of entrepreneurship and business here and commerce here locally but they face an um you know issues and barriers to getting um to gaining access to capital so i'm also monitoring that and i'm calling on these local stakeholders to make sure they advocate specifically for our indigenous groups specifically for our african-american and gullah uh, business owners is important for women-owned businesses. It's important that we focus on on them. A lot of attention currently is being paid to folks, and 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 rightfully so because they've organized well. Um, folks like you know the um, Brewers Guild, the South Carolina Brewers Guild, you know they're organized in a way that where they can mobilize and act and advocate for themselves. We need uh, for those who don't have that type of um, community or economic community culture we need to make sure that we advocate for um, hospitality workers we need to advocate for black businesses um, and small black businesses so that's something that I want to lift up specifically and I think the more people kind of champion that the more attention will be paid to that specific um, area so uh, yeah so looking at these headlines 
There are funds and programs rolling out. The stimulus package is also going to include more help. But instead of me continuously talk about that, I'm going to go ahead and play another clip so you can get insight as to um, what we can expect from the federal government. As of the time of this recording, it is currently 7.30. So um, right now, there hasn't been any stimulus package that has been approved by our Senate. But that might change by the time you hear this um, this recording. So, um, but here's a clip from PBS NewsHour that I think is going to really help you see what we can expect. Wall Street lost more ground today despite the Federal Reserve's latest actions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slid 582 points, or 3%, to close at 18,591. The Nasdaq fell 18 points and the S&P 500 dropped 67. Analysts say that investors are waiting for Congress to act on an economic rescue package. And we get more now on that situation from our congressional correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. So, Lisa, it's not just the markets are waiting, but a lot of Americans who are out of work are waiting. What is the holdup? Well, Judy, tonight it's sort of a tale of two different views. One is what you see in public, which is a lot of tension and drama on the floor of the U.S. Senate. But I want to talk now about the more important view, which is behind the scenes. Judy, talks have been going on steadily through the day. We're told that the two sides are coming closer. Just now, uh, Republican leaders left leadership meetings saying they don't think they will get a deal tonight. But hope remains that there could have one tomorrow. What is the holdup? The big question. Primarily, it is around um, a stabilization fund for larger companies. We're talking about $500 billion that Republicans proposed. You may see this in a graphic. Um, and Democrats are concerned that it needs more protections for workers, that those loans need to have guarantees for the number of workers that those companies will keep on payroll. Democrats are also concerned about provisions that Republicans have proposed that they think give Secretary of the Treasury uh, Steve Mnuchin more too much leeway to give out cash to these corporations. So, Judy, this is the sticking point tonight. How do they come up with a deal that does protect workers in these large businesses, but which Republicans don't think is too onerous on those businesses? Would love to know what's going on inside those negotiations. Yeah. But meantime, Lisa, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has come up with her own proposal for all this. What do we know about that? Is she going her own way or what? I'll tell you what, Judy, I think right now, this is Nancy Pelosi being a smart negotiator. Whatever passes the Senate needs to pass the House ultimately. And she was so unhappy with the Senate bill that she said, I'm going to put out my own bill. She has that in reserve if she wants to vote on it. But right now, I think this is mostly um, a tool of negotiation for her. But let's, let me show you what she's proposing. This is a $2.5 trillion deal. She would like to increase the amount of money for hospitals and for the medical care around the country. Also, she would raise those direct payment checks to Americans to $1,500 per person. Uh, the Republican proposal is $1,200. And then also, she would increase the amount of money directly helping states as well as for unemployment and and money to help the elections in November. Uh, as I say, though, this is Pelosi has a large bill, 1,400 pages, but it remains to be seen if they will actually vote on this or if this is something she's using to pressure the Senate to come more in her direction. You know, yesterday, um, watching the Senate and, and Congress um, trying to hash out this legislation, it, it was, um, you know, it, it fired me up personally. I just want to make sure, I want to see... Um, efforts made that show that our lawmakers are really, really uh, caring for and have compassion for the little guy. And what we saw 
yesterday um i thought was a lot of posturing and a lot of um unnecessary unnecessary stalling we know what america needs right now we know what with small businesses and um individuals and families alike we know what they need and and I, I would encourage you all to please call your local lawmakers and tell them call your mayor call your council people call your congress people call your senators let them know what you'd like to see let them know what kind of considerations you think need to be made um i called my senator's office yesterday after seeing tweets that i thought were very very unsavory and um very very um you know, just, just very self, just self aggrandizing. And, and I didn't think it considered the people here on the ground in South Carolina. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and sign off you guys. Thank you so much for listening to these special updates. I'm going to continue to grow and continue to just improve and give you information that I think you might need, but also I welcome and love feedback. So if there's anything you want to hear, if there's any information that you're that you that you have access to on a local level that you'd like for me to amplify please make sure you reach out to me you can email me directly at tamika t-a-m-i-k-a at charleston activist network.com or you can message me on facebook it's my whole government name on facebook it's tamika Chantel gadsden um and on instagram and twitter where i'm most active you can find me at mika Gadsden um, at Mika Gadsden on Twitter and on Facebook you can find me at all those areas if you'd like to just reach out to me please do I encourage it uh, shout out to those who sent me instant messages and who are continuously tag tagging me on all social media shout out to Taisha Aiken who I interviewed um, you know uh, a, a week over a week ago on mic'd up uh, on a Friday show shout out to her for just continuously tagging me on all types of social media posts because it really keeps me informed. Um, so yeah, I hope you all have found these updates to be useful. Um, they can only they can get better if you um, want to reach out. You can always help me out and uh, love feedback. You can also uh, support this programming by supporting OM Radio. Shout out to my team here at OM who have made this possible, who made these uh, updates available at 2 p.m. and 9 p.m. every day um until further notice so thank you to the ohm team for making that ha happen and and uh programming my show uh so that you guys can get this multiple times a day multiple times a week so i'm very grateful for that um yeah so uh you can also listen to this in podcast form um you can follow own radio on itunes you can also follow um follow the mic'd up show my show on itunes and soundcloud so any support you can lend is deeply appreciated so until next time y'all please stay happy stay whole stay home stay home stay home stay home um please make sure you exercise precautions and, and remember you know we're seeing an uptick in, in infections and death and so we can control some of that we can help fight some of that by staying home and um to all my Gullah Geechee folk all my African-American folks here fighting this this coronavirus in so many different ways y'all stay black <laughs>